For the climate action and design interested folks out there, there are some interesting events coming up at the Future of Small Cities Institute. And joining us now is the founder, Rafe Larson. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. So Ithaca has been a model city and the subject of previous events of the Future of Small Cities Institute. And Ithaca's ambitious electric buildings plan is at the center of an upcoming event. How do we make the electric cities of the future? So can you tell us about this event and the three cities involved? Yes, yeah. So this is a, a, a collaboration with the podcast network Climate Now, which does great programming. And so we have uh, embarked on this kind of cool three-part series. And we had the first part in Ithaca. And each of these parts is concentrated on a different aspect of decarbonizing cities, because it's obviously a kind of complex, huge, <laughs> sprawling idea. The first one in Ithaca was, who's going to benefit from this? Because a lot of people see the idea of making a green city, a net zero city, a real lever for equality and you know generational wealth gain in uh, historically disadvantaged communities, because there's going to be a lot of job opportunities, a, a lot of investment in places. So I think getting it right now and and making sure that these levers are in place to so that everybody is included in this process um, and that everyone benefits is really important. So we had a really robust conversation about how to make sure that, you know, this whole green workforce and green economy, the growth of it, which is going to be exponential in the next you know decade, two decades, three decades, is going to be inclusive. The second part, which is taking place at the Focus Lab in Troy this Thursday, October 20th, is going to be on the how. How do we do this? What are the mechanics and what are the, um, I guess, levers at our disposal for bringing down the, the carbon footprint of our cities, which make up a large, um, you know, huge chunk of pie when we look at uh, greenhouse gas emissions? Ithaca has decided, uh, you know, they're, they're taking a multi-pronged approach, but one of their big things is electrifying and, and, and weatherizing and making their building stock hyper-efficient and doing it at scale, right? So that's that's the big thing. They've teamed up with Block Power. So they're trying to do something like 6,000 buildings um, over the course of the next uh, decade, decade and a half, which is a, which is a huge project, right? But it's a really key project, particularly for our cities in upstate New York, because we have such um, old housing stock and we can't just build our way out of this uh, climate crisis. We have to deal with what we have. So we have to become experts at um you know making our ha our our older our older houses much more efficient and then shifting towards uh, electrification which has its own complications because we can't just electrify all our houses overnight right um the load on on the grid would be way too much so we have to kind of update our infrastructure as we're convincing homeowners that this is the right thing to do that's i think the big shift too aside from the, the engineering lift is the cultural lift of of explaining to people why this is important you know everyone's busy everyone has is short on cash right um so you know why swap out your stovetop range from propane or natural gas to you know electric and why put on heat pumps and all these questions which you know are, are a lift i mean i think they're becoming less of a lift as more and more incentives start stacking up the inflation reduction act is a huge game changer in this regard um, but I think the model of Ithaca is, can we do it not just house to house, but uh, as a whole city as our sort of frame of reference? You were talking about the investment in housing and making an equitable change for the future. And in thinking about the past and what was not working then, 
we can think of redlining and and banks not giving the same investment to all families. And has that really changed? And so can we really say that this is going to be an equitable way forward? Um, Or are we still facing some of those same inequities from the past? It's a really good question. And I think a lot of smart people are trying to address this. Um, If we do nothing and sort of let you know, the the old market forces at work, it will be the same exact, repeating the same exact mistakes, right? So people with time and money will efficiency, will put efficiency measures in their house and, in, and invest in this technology and, and reap the benefits. Because the other thing about electric homes too is that they're healthier, right? So the air is better, climate is better. It's not just like a, you know, a greening thing. It's, it's, it's a health issue as well. But it takes time, money, and investment. And in the past, you know, we've gotten into these cycles of uh, unaffordable housing or predatory landlords who have no incentives to um, to improve their houses and just, you know, want to get rent money and will kick people out as soon as they don't pay rent. So how, how do you get those people on board? So it's going to take active energy and it's going to take, you know, the getting the housing authorities on on board. There's some really interesting work the New York Housing Authority just signed a huge deal with a heat pump company. So you're starting to see at scale for affordable housing and more and more affordable, new affordable housing projects installing some of these efficiency and electrification methods. But again, it's a cultural change and and contractors that like Habitat for Humanity works with need to adjust their supply chains and adjust their housing materials and adjust their HVAC solutions, right? Which is an ask. Everything's an ask. So getting all the various pieces on board, the contractors, the construction folks, the developers, the homeowners, all on board is is a process. Um, but I think it's really critical. And I think we're seeing a sea change at the federal level, at the state level, and also at the local level to address exactly what you said. How do we make sure that we don't repeat the kind of systems and cycles of inequity that we've seen in the past? It's a big investment on the spot and it becomes cheaper in the future. So you do have to have a certain amount of of a cushion in order to implement this for the long-term benefit, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And we'll be talking about that a little bit on Thursday. Part three of the series, which takes place um, at Yale and New Haven, is really on the financing side because that's that's the, the real nut to crack too. We're getting there, but I think um, what's interesting is to make this so affordable and so enticing for both the homeowner and the city at large, right? So uh, I think where we're heading is that a company like Black Power, and we have a panelist, Cullen from Black Power, can approach a city like Troy with an economic package that's, that makes so much sense over the course of 10, 20, 30 years that the, the return on investment and the risk, frankly, for the city of Troy is so low that they can sign on, right? And I think to get there, you have to leverage both the state funding that um, places like NYSERDA offer, the federal funding that's uh, embodied in the Inflation Reduction Act, but also private capital too. And I think you're starting to see that, that a lot of private capital companies and investment funds are wanting to get into this decarbonizing municipality game. And they're starting to see that there is a return on investment, you know, over the course of 20 and 30 years, aside from the, obviously the, the moral and climate benefits they're there. They want to make these deals, too. Um, it looks good for their portfolio, but it's going to take some creativity. And I think um, 
one of our panelists who I've had before and is a real um, maestro at this is Luis, who just, he's actually just transitioned out of being the director of sustainability for Ithaca to, he's now um, working for Rewiring America, but he is a real master at leveraging a number of different funds to to pay for this. And every city can't have a Luis. So I think one of our challenges is how do we take the lessons from Ithaca, package it, streamline it, make it simple so that the next wave of cities, which I hope includes city, cities like Troy, Schenectady, and Albany, all of whom I would characterize as sustainable curious, right? That they're they're not, they haven't jumped in fully, but they want to, but they want to be shown that risk is low and potential upside is high. So we so we have to make that package feasible for for the city, the next wave of cities, the the 2.0s and then the 3.0s down the line. So that event is how do we make the electric city of the future? happening on Thursday, October 20th from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at the Focus Lab, but it's hybrid. So there is virtual participation. And we are out of time, but you do have another event that we're just going to put on the radar, the New Island Project with artist-in-residence Jack McGuy, friend of the sanctuary. Can you just give us a little teaser and close out our interview? Yes. So the Focus Lab, I've always imagined having this kind of artistic component. We have these revolving exhibitions, and I wanted a local artists to react and sort of mull over and marinate on the t- the subject of the of the exhibition. So the, our first exhibition is coming to a close at the end of October. It's on Hudson waterfronts. Jack, a lot of his work is around this kind of experimental uh, psychogeographic wandering seeing old or battered places in new ways. So I thought he was a perfect match. So we're doing a really exciting participatory involved performance where audience members will be walking with Jack along the shoreline to a secret place um, and participating in the performance. It's it's gonna be a co-creation event. Um, so I really encourage you to put on your walking shoes and uh, dress appropriately. Um, it's October 29th, 2 p.m. Um, and you can register on the Future of Small Cities website. And we're going to do a follow-up on that to get a little bit deeper into that. So thank you so much, Rafe Larson, for joining us again on Hudson Mohawk Magazine. Thank you. Always a pleasure.